0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church, located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God calls you to live. Enjoy. Uh, we're at a brand new series called, uh, titled God's Not Done. It's in the book of Daniel, and the title of the message is simply this, when life doesn't go according to plan. Anybody, can anybody relate with that? Just me? Okay, I'll just keep going. Um, I was going to also title it maybe when the world looks like it's on fire. Anybody uh, relate to that? How about this one? Living in the last days. Ooh, I was going to go end times on you. But before I go into the message, I got a couple family things I got to announce. Uh, One thing is, is you've been coming the last few weeks. We uh, started meeting here uh, August uh, 8th, I believe. It's our fifth Sunday in a row. Man, something special is going on at Mission Church. Can we agree with that? Come on. Come on. People are getting saved. Uh, It is just, it's it's a really, really special time. Uh, There is a unity in this house that just, it's just different from other places. I saw Dodger fans talking to Giants fans outside. Come on now. Mitch wearing his Dodger shirt. I asked him, what you doing, Mitch? He's like, I'm just testing people. To see, if, see if they know how to love people who are, you know? I was like, well done, Mitch. Raise them up, raise them up. So we got a unity in this house. Um, it's just really special what's going on. Uh, I loved what Mark preached last week if you missed it. Uh, if you missed the message last week, I think it's, for such a time as this kind of message. It, it blessed me. Uh, one of the things that uh, Mark, uh, my buddy, a pastor in San Francisco, preached on was uh, the foxes. And uh, they can't destroy you, but the men, they want to distract you. They want to wear you out. And um, I had, it was crazy. Like this week more than the other week, I had so many foxes. Oh, I was just so tired. I was like, one of those ones where like, if you would have caught me on like a bad moment, I might've cried in front of you or like just crumbled. And I don't do that a lot, but it's a hard week. And um, one of the things that happened this week, and it is what it is, but uh, Thursday I had a meeting with the city. I had a couple actually meetings, but one of the things that happened is uh, our church has grown so fast and we're filling the room up so much. We're looking to go to three services eventually. If you've been here, people are like, oh, is the eleven one less? No, it's actually way more packed than the nine. <laughs> uh, and so we're gonna maybe look at a third service. But one of the things that they talked to us about was we do have the religious exemption, but it's a city building. And because it's a city building, there was a couple of options for us as we move forward. Uh, one is they were gonna maybe have us sit uh, six feet apart uh, every chair. That means only like 50 people could fit in here. So that was not an option. And so really the only option for us, if we wanted to continue running a city building, um, if there's a church building, we wouldn't have any problems with it, but because it's a city building, we're gonna have to uh, wear masks again. And so uh, some of you are really excited about that. Congratulations. All right, hey, if you're I'm all good, you know, like I'm not, I have no dog in the mask game, to be honest. Like, I'm not like, I hate the mask, they're from the devil. I'm not, that's not where I'm at, okay? Um, and I'm also not like, thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful mask that I could put on my face. I'm not that either, okay? Um, it just, it is what it is for a season. Um, we're not going to let this little thing um, distract us or detour us. Um, I'm going to have another conversation this week because of what that looks like. Does that mean we can't take them off for communion? We can take them off for communion, uh, different parts of service maybe, like in the middle of a worship song, if you want to take it off during a worship song. I'm going to talk to Jim, my direct report, and see really what that looks like. But next week, we're going to have masks outside, ask you to wear them to your seat. And um, we're not going to mask police you at all, but uh, we're going to have to start enforcing them. Is that okay? Yeah. Are we bigger than masks? Yeah. I really think we are. I like to think so. Um... And uh, if you want to help me not have meetings like that, will you buy us a church home? (laughs) I'm serious. Like, I'm so dead serious right now. I was like, Lord, there's somebody out there. If maybe you have a building that, you know, can seat about 500 to 1,000. You don't have to buy it. You just give it to us. Um, I'm really believing. I want to celebrate something. There was a family in our church that gave the church a substantial gift last week. And they said, may this be the first brick of you guys getting your home. And it just increased my faith that God's doing something in people's hearts and in this area. And I've been praying for a home. And I'm believing that maybe this next season, I'm not going to take out maybe. That's terrible faith. <clears throat> um, I'm believing this season that Mission Church is going to find a home. Does that sound good? Come on. It's, it's funny. Shaylin's is already getting too small for us. Um, but that's a good problem. Let's. Uh, you guys ready to get the message? All right. I'm going to kind of give you um, everything that I got today. And what I mean by everything I got, I'm going to give you the big thought of Daniel. I'm going to share with you a ton of things that we're going to learn as we go on this series. The book of Daniel takes a place around 600 BC in Babylon. That's modern day Iraq. Daniel is one of the prophets. Uh, the Bible's put together uh, in a beautiful way of, um, you have the Pentateuch, then you have the history books, then you have the uh, literature, and then you have the major and minor prophets. Not because some prophets were better or worse, it's just because some books are bigger and smaller. Uh, and so Daniel is one of the prophets, not just one of the prophets, but one of the this is one of the exilic literature books just meaning that uh, Israel is in exile this time it's an amazing book we're going to find a lot of truth so I'm going to unpack a lot of that stuff as we go on but I want to share some big thoughts with you about what we're going to learn do you know if you want to be a leader you got to be a learner yeah. do you know if you actually want to have real freedom you need to know truth if you actually want to make impact you got to have grace So you got to have these in your life. So one of the things we're going to learn, I'm just going to give you just kind of an overview. I'm going to fly at 30,000 feet real quick to prepare you for this series, okay? Uh, First thing is we're going to learn how to live a life of impact, a life of impact. Man, I met a lot of Christians that never impacted my life, but they definitely uh, wanted to be right when we had a conversation. It's funny, like one of the biggest complaints I hear about people who don't know the Lord is Christians never want to hear what I think. They just want to tell me that I'm wrong and they're right. Woo, that is not how you impact the world. I mean, you seek to understand, you seek how to serve, you, you seek where they're broken, and you, you meet their greatest need. We're going to learn how to li- live a, a life of impact, okay? Another thing we're going to learn uh, is we're going to learn, uh, sorry, my computer just froze. Not today, Satan, I believe. It's never happened before, real talk. Um, there we go. <laughs> Prayers work. Uh, we're going to learn how to live in exile. We're going to have to learn, learn how to live in exile. I'm going to unpack that in a little bit. Um, you may feel like, I don't feel like I moved, but man, I sure do feel like culture moved. You feel like that's something? Do you ever feel like, I don't feel like I left America, but I feel like America left me. Anybody else feel like that? Yeah. Let's keep going. Okay, I'll talk on that in a second. Uh, we're going to learn uh, about the horror Babylon. Sound good? <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Um, it's in the Bible. Uh, we're going to learn how to cultivate the spirit of excellence. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know about you, but you know what's attractive in Christianity? Excellent Christians. Yeah. Not angry Christians. Not Christians that don't know how to have self-control, but Christians that have a sound mind and the mind of Christ. You ever have your mind just go bad? Like, just go sour on you. Like, you just lose it. I, I had that happen this week after all my meetings. I was driving. Rachel and I, it's our date day on Friday. And I just want to have a good day. And it's weird. I, it made me have, a, like, a peek into why people lose it sometimes. Um, I was um, trying to take uh, an exit to the veranda. We're going to go see the new Marvel movie. It's actually very good, by the way. Legend of Ten Rings. I uh, recommend it. Uh, and um, so we're going there. And the exit is closed off. And there was no signage until you got to the exit. And then the next exit was literally like three miles down. You got to get on another freeway and come back. It was like 12 minutes, of detour. And I was like, if they could have just put a sign. I was so, and I don't get this mad. I didn't even say it out loud. I just was like, why couldn't they put out a sign? I was like upset. And I told Rachel, like, I get why people lose it sometimes. I'm just, I'm just weak right now. Somebody tried to pick a fight with me. I'd just cry. And I just, felt, I just felt worn down. And my mind was sour. I was angry. And I was, I was just mad. And, and it made me think of this moment in Job 2. Uh, Job is famous for having hashtag the worst day ever. Okay. Ever. Okay. You think you had a bad day? Read the book of Job. Okay. He has the worst day ever. And his wife's mind goes sour. I mean, you got to guard your mind. Don't let it go sour on bad days. Job shows us that your mind doesn't have to go bad on bad days. We're going to learn that we can have a sound mind. We can have excellent spirit. Here's what happens in in Job real quick. Just going to give you a little pearl about uh, another thing we're going to learn in this uh, series. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Because he had a lot of boils. He's having healthy things. Go on. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. On bad days, don't you just want to curse? Nobody. Wow. Just me. Me either. I don't want to curse either. I just want to pray and worship and love people. Come on, church. Um, But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Uh, If you're married, don't talk to your wife like that. (laughs) This is the oldest book in the Bible. This is a different time, okay? You foolish woman, should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. So interesting to me that we think that God will not allow testing to happen. Man, he is a refining God. So Job's like, can I not only have the good things? Is God not allowed to refine me and put me through fire? we got to understand God wants to allow us to go through maybe this season for our own good. He doesn't want us to run from it. He wants it to develop us. Let's keep going. Another thing we're going to learn is we're going to learn about humility, honoring, and hope. Daniel's a famous book. you got Daniel's in the lion's Then you got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you've ever been to church or you're in kids' ministry, there's some of the famous stories of all of the Bible. But that's not what the book of Daniel is about. It's about a humble man in the most arrogant culture. Babylon was arrogant, but he was humble. Man, we need to raise up some humble Christians again. It was about an honoring man in a dishonoring culture. He honored up. He honored down. He honored all the way. He honored everybody. He would, can I say something real quick? Daniel would honor Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I'm going to say it. Ooh. Daniel would honor Donald Trump. Some other, oh, no, he would. Yes, he would. Yeah, huh? Come on. Come on. Thanks, baby girl. Not only that, when we unpack this series, you're going to find out that Israel is in captivity for 70 years. Daniel comes as a teenager at 15, and he goes through it. He gets put in magic school. He gets castrated because he's going to be in the king's courts. And in the midst of that 70 years, you know what Daniel never loses? Hope that God is still working in those 70 years. In the midst of what's going on in our world, man, you cannot lose hope that God is still working in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of our government doing whatever it's doing, in the midst of uh, people just being so mean. People are so mean now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I feel like people just got angry. Yeah. Like, like, like on a whole nother level. You remember the show Boiling Point? We're there. Okay, let's go. Okay. Um, I'm gonna keep going. We're gonna learn uh, uh, age is nothing but a number. Daniel shows us to live a life and impact. He was changing the world at 15, and he was changing the world at 80. There's no perfect time for you to start impacting the world. There just has to be a mindset. I'm here. I'm going to change the world. So we're going to learn that about Daniel. Come on now. Uh, we're going to learn uh, the importance of living the way God called us to live. I love this. We're going to learn this today in Daniel 1. Daniel proposed a 10-day test. You do the world's way. I'm going to do it God's way. Let's see who's better at the end. I mean, until Christians actually are determined to live the way God called them to live, man, the world's never going to see another option. I'm going to keep going. Uh, we're going to learn the importance of grace and truth. You can't have one without the other. You can't have, you know, the the Christian's like, we just need to tell people all about why they're wrong. That's, okay, hey, truth is good, but if you don't have grace and love with it, oh, do you know Jesus was always connecting before he was directing? He was always giving a hug before anything else. He wasn't just coming at people. You know the only people he corrected were the Pharisees. No hugs for them. (laughs) He, He shamed those who were shaming others. But everybody else, oh, just oh, grace on grace. But the ones that are just trying to hurt people with religion, he was like, not on my watch. Let's keep going. Uh, We're going to learn how to respond well. uh, I've heard it said this way. It's kind of a cheesy statement. But they say Christians are like tea bags. You put them in hot water, and you'll find out actually what's in them. You get get Christians in a hot water. Hey, can I just be honest? We're in a hot water season now. It's just not easy to be a Christian as, as it used to be. Heard a pastor share a story. He said that this Muslim guy said, Man, I don't believe in Christians because they never respond well. And I can prove to you that you are not a Christian. I believe that you don't believe your faith. And he goes, What are you talking about? He goes, I believe Jesus is, is, is my God. I'm not gonna deny him. He goes, Oh, you think so? I'll test you. He's like, Well, how are you gonna test me? And he goes, smack, and just smack the pastor in the face. Like Lydia how Hard as it all get out. And he's like, You just hit me. And he goes, What are you gonna do about it? Bible says turn the other cheek. And he goes, I've done this a handful of times. They storm out, they try to fight me. What are you gonna do? And he's like, I turned my head the other way. And he hit him again, smack, you know. And he's like, hit me again. And I was like, are we going to do this the whole day? And he kept going back and forth. And, and the guy goes, You're the first person ever to respond with a meekness. Now, don't get me wrong, the, the Muslim guy uh, that hit him, uh, that had a, a different view on uh, life, um, uh, had the scripture context a little bit out of uh, context because that scripture doesn't mean that people just get hit you in the face all day long. That's not what that scripture means. But what it does mean is that when the world hurts you and you take a hit, that you turn the other cheek and say, I'm still ready to love you. I'm still ready to serve you. Just because you hit me, just because you said something against me, doesn't mean I'm putting my fist up and I'm going to punch back. No, no, no. I'm going to turn my other cheek and say, I'm ready to love again, and I'm ready to serve again. You're going to see Daniel take it on the chin over and over again, and instead of throwing punches back, he throws love right back at him. We're going to learn how to respond well in this book. I feel like I just preached all the series. Uh-oh. Um, I'm dangerous. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing uh, at Mission Church. Oh, Lord, we need you. Oh, Lord, I pray for the person in the house today. We're praying for the great exchange. I pray for the person today that came in with just depression so heavy. Lord, we pray for peace for that person right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that may there be a great exchange happening right now. And Lord, may we come to your word today as just soft, ready to learn Christians, knowing that we haven't figured it out, Oh, ready to learn a new truth that would set us free, a new truth to learn how to love, that we would really start to see the heart of our Savior and we would reflect the heart of our Savior. Thank you for not sending a condemner. Oh, you sent a Savior. May your church, oh, may it make this place better and brighter. May my words fall to the floor and your words soar. And everybody said? All right, so here's what the message looks like today. Um... Uh, I'm going to talk about who is Babylon, where is Babylon, what is Babylon, okay? I feel like if, I, if we're going to go in the book of Daniel, you got to understand where it takes place. Uh, Israel was taken into captivity by Babylon. Babylon um, conquered Egypt at this time. Egypt was a world power. Babylon conquered Egypt and they basically became the, the cat's meow. They were the most powerful, most um, impactful uh, um, world power at this time. And Israel gets taken over by them and gets exiled into Babylon. So it is a modern day Iraq at this time. So Babylon, you need to know about uh, what it is. You need to also understand about Babylon that Babylon was not only a city in the Old Testament, but it's reference as a spirit in the New Testament. Let me show you real quick. Revelation 17:3 through 5. So the angel took me in the spirit into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that had seven heads and 10 horns. Seven heads and 10 horns. We could talk about that later, but it's kings and then the 10 horns is nations and blasphemies against God were written all over it. I'm thinking about doing an end time series in January, 2022. I think it's important how Christians can live in the last days. Uh, last days start in the book of Acts. So don't uh, think that they start early, uh, but I feel like we're getting closer and closer. Can we agree with that? Uh, the woman wore purple and scarlet clothing and beautiful jewelry made of gold and precious gems and pearls. In her hand, she held a goblet full of obscenities and impurities of her immorality. A mysterious name was written on her forehead. Babylon the Great mother of all prostitutes, an obscenity in all the world. Another translation, they say uh, Babylon, uh, uh, the whore of Babylon. So why would you, uh, they call this a city, a spirit, Babylon? You'll see in Genesis even 10, you'll see the Tower of Babel. That's the first time we see the city of Babylon. What are they doing at that moment? They're trying to make a great name for themselves. You go to actually to the city of Babylon where Daniel is. What does Nebuchadnezzar try to do? Guess what he does? He tries to build a great tower to make a great name for himself. Babylonian culture was not only a city, but it is the spirit of the, um, if I could put it this way, the spirit of hell. Can I put it out? Can I get get that intense? Read Revelation 18. It says it's a dwelling place for demons and darkness. Ooh, that's intense. Now, let me unpack real quick uh, that Peter even talks about Babylon in 1 Peter, but he didn't live in Babylon. But he's referencing the seven hills of Babylon in this moment, and what he was talking about was Rome was the modern-day Babylon. Because Babylon is not only a city, but it's the spiritual condition of a region or a nation. And if I could just unpack real quick, the thought of this. And I'm gonna say a couple things, let me read some stuff. So um, uh, Babylon is mentioned 280 times uh, throughout the Bible. Um, It's interesting to me that Babylon is um, pictured in the uh, book of Revelation as a prostitute. You wanna know why? Babylon's not trying to destroy you. Babylon's trying to seduce you. Did you know that when they would take the Israelites into captivity, they would not destroy them, they would just want to assimilate them. Hey, have our good food, learn our literature, learn our culture. Hey, learn the way we do things. And the way that you expand the Babylonian culture is not by destroying people. It's actually having them fall in love with how you do stuff. Don't you love our luxuries? Don't you love the empire? Don't you just love giving yourself pleasure and comfort? Ooh, have some more. Because all, all Babylon wants to do to the church and to America is seduce it into a new culture. Let, let's go into the first question. I got three questions today. First question is, what in the world is happening? We're going to figure that out, okay? Second thing we're going to figure out is what do I do, God? You ever had that moment in this season? God, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do? Should I leave? Do you know that Rachel and I will have moments sometimes? You know, even this the past week, I was like, man, I'm so glad God had me plant the church this uh, a few years ago. Because if I hadn't planted the church yet, I don't know if I would have been strong enough to plant in this season. God knows how weak I am. Because it's just so hard to be a Christian in the Bay Area. It's hard to, to pastor a church. But man, I'm glad I'm here. I told Rachel when I got home from the meeting uh, this last week, I said, Ooh, the enemy done messed up. We're gonna pray more. We're gonna love more. Woo! We're gonna get a building. I have a feeling that somebody's in the room maybe right now that's gonna get us a home. Come on now. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. Um, So, uh, and then last but not least, how do I live it out? How do I live it out? I'm gonna give you some handles. Daniel 1. Daniel's gonna show you how to live it out. We're gonna read through Daniel 1 in just a second. We're gonna finish with Daniel 1. But beforehand, I gotta do a lot of teaching today because it's a brand new series. So, the first one is, What in the world is happening? What in the world is happening? In the Old Testament, like I told you, there are these exilic books. And all that means is exile books. Ezekiel, Esther, um, Jeremiah, and of course, Daniel. It's when God's people were taken from their land and put in a new land where they are now in captivity. Basically, if I could put it this way, when Israel's not in 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 exile books, they're living in a culture where their government and the way they live life is making it easy for them to worship and live for God. Everything is conducive for them to do what they're supposed to do. I'm not saying they did it. 490 years, they had the opportunity to live for God in comfort and protection, and guess what they did? They created idols, and they disobeyed God. So even in the midst of comfort, they weren't living for God. Uh, God said, hey, I need you to honor the Sabbath. I need you not to work on the the seventh day. Well, for 490 years, guess what they did? God, we actually like having more money and more stuff. We're gonna dishonor your promise because I want more stuff. So 490 years, just uh, check this math out real quick. They get exiled for 70 years. Guess what happens? That is a year for every day they missed. Oh, wow. So God goes, you didn't rest that way? I'll have you rest for 70 years. I'll, t- I'll have the land. He's not only protecting them. He said, the land, lo- do you know land loses its fertility when it's overused? Yeah. Wow. So God's like, mm, all right, if you, we can't do it this way, I got I to gotta allow something to happen so I can uh, redeem or restore you and redeem the land. Wow. So. You have this exile culture, so what happens is when you leave this culture, you go into a new culture like Babylon, and when you get exiled into Babylon, guess what happens? The government's against you worshiping, the culture's against you worshiping, and it's interesting, it's basically on this side when you're living in just Israel and Judah, basically the stream is flowing towards God. And so you just get in the boat and you're like, oh, I'm going towards God. And the only way you can is if you row against the stream. Well, when you actually get exiled, the best way to say it is, is the stream is going towards Satan. It's going towards darkness, it's going towards the things of this world, not the things of God, and it's really hard to live for God. I would submit this to you. I'm gonna say something pretty hyperbolic. America, I've lived in it for 39 years, and watching the sin become more rampant, moving to California, we may not have been exiled to Babylon, but Babylon came to us. And I don't know if there's a better time ever to preach the book of Daniel than today. Because you're in exile. You maybe maybe weren't taken captive like Daniel, but you are living in a culture that does not make it easy for you to live for God. And one of the Babylonian ways that would try to make it hard on you is just say, just compromise your beliefs. Just compromise what you're supposed to stand on. Just compromise your schedule. Just compromise how you're supposed to live and love and serve and just compromise. And so the reality is, is that if I'm being honest, 100 years ago, 70 years ago, we had this thing in America called Christendom you had to actually write down the church that you went to to get a home loan. It, you benefited in your business if you're a Christian. And I'm not saying that America was great 70 years ago. Don't get it twisted. We had a lot of things wrong. It was dark and evil, a lot of oppression, you name it. World wars, slavery, you got I mean, uh, uh, it says in um, uh, um, uh, Ecclesiastes, do not, look, uh, do not dwell in the good old days, for this is not healthy. Because have you ever just, like, glamorized 10 years ago? You know? Or how about like the, like the 50s? Like, I wish I could live in the 50s. Nobody who was living in the 50s thought they were living in the holiest days. It's amazing how we glamorize the past. Christians need not have a big rear view mirror. They need to have a big old windshield. And so, so what's happening this, in this book is that Daniel is gonna be exiled, taken to captivity. You and I, Babylon is at our front door and we live in a Babylonian culture. I could just give you a handful of attributes that Babylonian culture is. Babylonian culture is known by arrogance and pride. I don't know if there's a more prideful, arrogant region than the Bay Area. The way that we lead and guide in this area, can I just, I'm gonna go there real quick. I saw this week that in San Francisco, they're gonna pay people $300 a month not to shoot people. And I read the article. I was like, hold on, time out, that doesn't make no sense. Time out, 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 time click. And it said, they said, the reason why people are shooting people is if they had more money, they wouldn't shoot people. I was like, you think you can regulate man's heart with 300 bucks? We are born into sin. Sin is, sin, uh, how you're trying to fix sin through laws and regulations, and everything. you're so arrogant. Right. You think that the Bay Area's hearts can change if we give somebody $300? No, don't be wrong. I, I'll say to you real quick, I think that we need to be more generous in this region. Yeah. We're the richest region. Yeah. We should take care of people. But to think that if we give people money that, that murder and pain is going to go away, oh, how arrogant can we be? Right. Yeah. Bay Area, always trying to think of new laws, how to fix people. Now, there's only one person that can redeem people's name is Jesus. All right. Everybody still with me? All right. Um, so so uh, what in the world has happened? So I kind of unpacked that. So uh, when we go in the book of Daniel, what in the world is happening is that uh, the enemy took the best and brightest, put them in his courts. Daniel's one of them in their teenage years. And basically he's going to assimilate them. The, the options basically for Daniel uh, at this moment that you would think is either assimilate to the Babylon culture or separate. And what I love about God is that he gives another option. There's, there's another option. Um, uh, I'm gonna read Jeremiah 29 to you in just a second because the, the question is, what do I do now? And in Jeremiah 28, there are false prophets. Hananiah is saying this, Hey. Don't you go live in Babylon? This is talking to the exiles that go in Babylon. Don't you live in the city of Babylon? Uh, pray that the enemy would destroy Babylon. And when they destroy, then we'll do better. And so you have all these prophets basically speaking against Babylon. Uh, hate Babylon, resist Babylon, everything. And then actually God speaks about his heart towards Babylon and how to navigate Babylon. And what's sad to me, if I could be honest, is a lot of churches are saying, resist the Bay Area, hate the Bay Area, God bring your judgment. I don't know how many bad prophecies I've heard, God's going to send a great earthquake on California and and destroy it. No, no thanks. (laughs) I's here. (laughs) The reality is, is that the Bay Area doesn't need us to hate them. They need more Christians loving them. They need more churches being planted. They don't need us running away from them. They need us running to them. Okay. And so Jeremiah 29 gives us the heart of God to the, it literally is titled a letter to the exiles. You know, the Bible says that you're a, an ambassador, that you are a foreign citizen on this earth. You an exile. And so here's what it tells you to do in Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord almighty, the God of Israel says to all those who I carried in exile from Jerusalem, to Babylon, resist them. Don't talk to them. No, no, no. Here's what he says. Build houses. Settle down. Turn to your neighbor and say, Settle down. I think some Christians just need to settle down. So whipped up watching the news all the time. So whipped up in their political beliefs. Settle down. So settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase the in number there, do not decrease. One of the things he just simply says to the exiles hey, church, I want you to multiply, get bigger. Get brighter, get better. I don't want you hunkering down. I don't want you taking a bunker mentality. Ooh, I want you to increase in number in the land of Babylon. I want you to increase in the Bay Area. Keeps on going. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. You want me to seek peace and prosperity for San Francisco, for Walnut Creek, Concord, Martina? You want me to seek prosperity for this whole region? Peace and prosperity. But Lord, they're, they're so sinful, and I'm so good. I don't get it, God. No, seek prosperity and peace for the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. It's just such a simple thing. We all in the same boat. Stop trying to dig a hole in the boat that you're in. He's saying, you, if you prosper, the city prospers, oh, you're gonna benefit from it. Let's keep going. Yes, this is what the... Uh, I love, I love like when it like confirms, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. It's almost like in this moment when Jeremiah's getting this prophecy, like, hey, prosper, love the city, increase. They're like, what? And he's like, yes, this is what God says. Keeps on going. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Don't let the media deceive you. Can I, can I say something real quick that I've been processing? I went through Timothy and Titus this last week, and in Timothy, it says that in end days that they would want to listen to what their itching ears would want to hear. And I've never thought about it in this context. And, and so I started reading the background of it and started thinking about what it, that meant. And, um, I always thought like, when you hear that, like uh, they're always going to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And the first thing that always comes to my mind is people talking about Joel Olstein. <laughs> I always listen to that Joel Olstein talking about good stuff. That's what that verse Get stay away from that guy. Hey, I ain't got nothing as Joel Olstein, but that's what every Christian that, uh, tells me that verse, like, it's like a Joel Olstein thing. Uh, Timeout, time out. Let me unpack something real quick. Uh, what, does our media stations look like right now it is affirmation not information it is tuned to whatever your itching ears want to hear tell me my bent hate what i hate make fun of what i make fun of celebrate what i celebrate i just want to hear what maybe just maybe what the bible shows is that the antichrist is going to come as a political savior and maybe the next religion is actually not a religion like what we think but maybe it's actually a political religion just maybe i don't know let's keep going okay um maybe it's both It could be both. I don't know. Okay, let's go. Um, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty God says. Do not let prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Can I read to you some more? Let's go. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans. Oh. Here comes the most famous verse or one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. You ready for this? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You know what? Can we read this together? I think we all need to know this. Is it on the screen? Let's read together. Ready? One, two, three. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Stop. Todd am I serious? God's not done. God's saying, you can hear, something. I'm not done. The 70 years of exile. I got plans. I, I want to put it this way. God's saying this. I don't want you to love the city and hate me. But I don't want you to love me and hate the city. I want you to love me and love the city. And I believe this, that the people who love God love people. They don't just love some people, but the people who love the Republican Party hate Democrats right now. And the people who love the Democrat Party hate uh, Republicans. The people who love this progressive mindset hate people who are in the conservative mindset. The reality is whatever you love is what you're going to hate. But when it comes to God, when you love God, he has you love all people. I hope I hope just a little bit right now, if I could just put it this way, the great lovers of God are great lovers of people. I I hope you feel a little convicted right now because Christians have embarrassed me lately. Putting, a, pause. I'll go there. I'll get there in a little bit. Another thing God's simply saying in this moment is that physical captivity does not mean you're in spiritual captivity. Amen. This uh, season of life, it's not going to stop us spiritually. God's plan will still be going forward. He's still going to produce great things. Maybe just maybe what He's saying, and you can see it in Scripture, this is the rhythm He's saying, "I'm giving you to Babylon as a gift." but I'm giving Babylon to you as a gift to bring you back. Wow. You was a lukewarm Christian. You was bent towards you. Have you ever met the Christian that reads the Bible and goes, I read the Bible. I decided Jesus would be a Republican. I read the Bible. Jesus would be a Democrat. He wouldn't be either. He's not into politics. He's into his kingdom coming and invading this earth, his kingdom coming and his will being done. It's funny when we read about Lord, I know how you would vote. What? No, you don't. First of all, he wouldn't vote. He would just reign. <laughs> he doesn't vote. He's in charge. He sits on a throne. And this is where, like, what happens after, this is what happens after you go through this, what I call chiropractic adjustment. And I'm going to use that in just a second. But he says, after you go through this Babylon season where you have to love him, how you, I mean, you have to prosper in the midst of it, here's what's going to happen to the church. Then you will call on me. Man, it, uh, God has been such a last resort to so many Christians. But he says, when you go through a Babylon season, when you go through this kind of exile testing, then it's going to produce a Christian, they'll call on me. They'll start to seek me. I believe God, our church is hungry. Can I tell you, I, I share this with our team. I've shared this with my buddies who pastor. I said, there's something different happening in Mission Church. Our church is hungry for God. There's just a different type of, like they, they want God, they want to seek God. I think, I think what's happening in, in, in this area is not producing Christians that want to quit. It's producing Christians that want to find their God. And so it says, then they will call on me and come pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back. Who wants to get brought back? Yeah. Come on, I want to be brought back to peace. I want to be brought back to joy. I want to be brought back to the things of God and not the things of this world. So, how do I live this out? How do I live this out? Um, so, Daniel, we're in the book of Daniel, like, Todd, you haven't preached from Daniel yet. <laughs> Relax, we're there, okay? I'm going to read all of 1 Daniel, okay? 21, chapter, uh, 21 verses in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel gives us what I call some handles on how to drive the car. Some, some tools in our tool belt on how to navigate uh, when you're in a place that is just hard to live in. And we're going to go there, and I, I pray that as you see the way Daniel navigates, that you would see some biblical truths that would help you navigate this next season. Does that sound good? Man, I don't know about you, but I'm loving this new series. Um, Daniel 1, 1 says, during the third year of King Jehoiakim, 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 so bad at names, uh, reign jo- Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar, I nailed it, uh, Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylon and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Stop. First truth right here uh, that Daniel has that you need to have is don't lose the good news. Don't lose the good news. I want to, I want to read you uh, the, the verse again. Ready? The Lord gave him victory over Judah. The Lord gave Nebuchadnezzar victory. Nebuchadnezzar didn't win because he wanted to win. No, no God's sovereignty allowed this to happen. He, say, he simply, simply put, you, you see right here, that there's still the one in charge, the sovereign God still sitting on the throne. So what happens when you lose the good news? Here's what happens when you lose the good news. When you lose the good news, you lose your way. Now let me unpack this real quick. The good news in the, uh, 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 in the Old Testament and even during Jesus' time was always a, um, uh, connected to whoever the leader of that time was. So if there was a war and you had a leader that was a great leader and they were going off to war, you would be waiting for a rider to ride into town to let you know who the new leader was. Because if, you, if your leader won and you loved your leader and you guys were... Uh, profitable, they would come back and let's say, you know, the leader's name was Billy. Okay. Uh, King Billy. Okay. King Billy defeats King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's just put it in that way. Okay. And you're waiting like, okay, if King Nebuchadnezzar wins, they're going to kill half of us and enslave the rest of us. But if King Billy wins, we're going to still be able to have our land and have our country. And a writer would come back. King Billy is still our our king. He's still our king. Good news, we're still fine. We have King Billy. We did not lose the battle. And everybody rejoiced. Oh, oh, good news. And they would spread the other word. We didn't lose the battle. We still have the same king. Let's fast forward. Jesus goes proclaim the good news. And the good news in the New Testament is simply this, that we have a king that sits on the throne. Let's fast forward 2,000 years to us living to today. And the culture of today, I'll never forget it. Uh, I, it's when I, maybe this was always happening, but I was younger, but I'll never forget when Obama was running for president. People who I knew in church were like, if Obama becomes president, America is a done. He is the Antichrist. I'm serious. This is what Christian would tell me. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, well, we better, uh, why, why do you believe that? And they're like, well, he believes this. He believes, he's not even born in America. I mean, they're telling me all this kind of thing. You know? He's not? I mean, like, oh, I mean you know, they're going deep dives on me. And then Obama became president and i flourished for eight years. My income grew, met my wife, I got married, I settled down, and Obama was president, and I did just fine. I flourished, people got saved, um, and then um, the next one was like, uh, if Donald Trump becomes president, he will save America, you know, and then Donald Trump became president, and I still did my thing, and I flourished. And then this last one is like, you know, there's a lot of Christians like, well, Donald stays president, we're done and somebody like if Biden becomes president we're done. And the reality is is what I've noticed in the Christian circles and I'm okay if the world has this mindset but we can't have it in here is that if we have a president win or lose we think we're done. You have a different good news in your heart. You have a different thing that you're hoping in that you think that a political leader can actually save our nation. Because the reality is, is the good news is still here. The good news is Jesus still sits on the throne, that he's allowing things. You may say, oh, America's going to hell in a handbasket, and God's going, you know what? I'm doing some chiropractic adjustments. I'm allowing this to happen. You think that, 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 that Biden stole the election? Okay, I have no idea. I don't go down those trails. I only got one life to live. I'm trying to live for Jesus. Here's what I know, is that God allowed Biden to be president. He allowed it. And like a good chiropractor, it's making you a little more in line. Or it's at least an opportunity. Anybody been to a chiropractor? I was like, dang, this first part is very like a chiropractic adjustment. I remember my first time I threw my back out. I, I hurt for months and months, and I didn't believe in chiropractors. I was like, okay, tweak, I'm all better. I just didn't believe in it, okay? Um, and then I met a chiropractor that went to our church, and um, literally inside the lobby, uh, she had me lay on the side, took my uh, left leg, and just popped. I mean, and it was like, I mean, throughout the church, pop, 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 you know? It's like one of those moments. And I remember sitting was going, oh, <sighs> And I was like, I mean, it was like one of those moments, like uh, literally like the lame had been raised, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't bend over. And I was like, I, her name is uh, Kelly Hall. She's an amazing chiropractor. I was like, Kelly, I'm, I'm a, I can't, <laughs> you guys are a real deal. I used to talk so much trash. I'm all better. You know, and, and what was crazy when my back hurt is that my feet would hurt. When my back would hurt, I couldn't even move like uh, just normal movements. And I went to a chiropractor and they just got to pop some things into alignment. The reality is, is that when we're out of alignment as a church, Man, the church just hurts in all different places. People aren't getting restored the way they should get restored. We're not moving the same way we should be moving. I mean, there's just so many alignment illustrations. You can say a car, when a car's out of alignment, it pulls to the left or pulls to the right. But when you have right alignment, you're just going right where you're supposed to be going. Yeah. And what I feel like this season is doing is it's aligning you again to go, hold on a second. In the midst of this chaos, if you agree with the political leader or not, if you like our governor or not like our governor, you have to remember that the good news has not been lost. Yeah. That Jesus still sits on the throne that he's still coming back for his bride, that great things are still ahead of us, that God's going to use it in the midst, that what the enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. Man, doomsday Christians, that's not the gospel. We will not be that way in this house. We will proclaim the good news. We're not going to be fixated on, oh, if this doesn't happen, we're done. No, no, no. It already happened on the cross. We good. I read Revelation. We win. Okay. Side note real quick, because I I feel in the house. I'm not saying not to be politically engaged. Vote, know who you're voting for. It's all going to be politically engaged, but it's bad ones and idle. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Okay. Some are like, "Oh, so I'm not even supposed to care about politics?" No, relax. Um, <laughs> let's keep going. Then the king ordered. Another dude that I name I can't say, his chief of staff, to bring the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. All he's saying is say, hey, teach them our culture. Train them up in our culture. Language culture is always language. It's always like anybody do CrossFit? I remember like the like first time I watched a CrossFit video, I was like, I don't even, Turkish get up, wads. I'm like, what are you saying right now? You know, Um, and wads are workouts of the day, but like you get into a subculture, they have a total different way they even talk and everybody knows what they're saying. The culture is even your language. Uh, language leaders of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. So the king's even trying to seduce them. I'm gonna give you the best. I got the best. I'm gonna give you the best. I want you to taste what I have. Again, the Babylonian spirit that wants to seduce you with, uh, with the best things they got. They were trained for three years and they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were uh, four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Balthazar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. One of the things that you need to know that I need to put in your tool belt is that when you live in a Babylonian culture, it wants to rename you and relabel you. Uh, Let me me just give you a couple of things real quick. Uh, So Daniel means God is my judge. God's the only one that I fear. Well, they gave him a new name. Lady, protect the king. Wanted to change his label completely. Wanted to change his identity completely with that name. Uh, uh, Hananiah was Yahweh has been gracious. That's what that means. Well, his new name means I am fearful of God. So he goes from thankful to a fearful name. So, so God's identity is, hey, you're going to be thankful. Well, Babylon is, uh, Babylon's uh, name for you is I want you to be fearful. Another thing that marked Babylon culture, by the way, is you are ruled by fear. They had this thing called cancel culture. You think this is new? <laughs> Babylon was doing it. They would throw you in a furnace, though. You didn't do it their way. Again, like Babylon culture, polytheistic society. You can have a ton of gods, but don't you say have one god. We'll destroy you. Kansas culture isn't new. Michelle, confidence to insecurity. You'll see it. Who is what God is? Ooh, what a name! Like, like your name. Like your name is who is? But my God. Ooh, my God is the biggest God. They change his name to I'm despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Anyone wants to take you from a confident Christian to an insecure person? It's amazing what happens when you allow Babylon to label you. Why do we think there's so much insecurity right now? Because we're allowing Instagram to la- label us. We're allowing social media to define our value. Oh, Babylon will take you from confidence to insecurity in two seconds. Last but not least, Azariah, news name, uh, means servant of Nebo, so Yahweh has helped me. Ooh, so your past, your past is, look at what God has done in my life. You're celebrating, it's, it's the power of your testimony. And the new name is your future is you're going to serve a new God. Babylon wants you to forget your past and everything that God has done for you and serve a new God. It's amazing when you get into Babylon culture how obvious you see it. Because if I actually said statements right now about uh, labels, you would resonate with one it would be big in your heart. You could say, I'm the funny one. I'm the successful one. I'm the pretty one. I'm the widow. I'm the poor one. I'm the ugly one. Those are big statements. But for some reason, some of you actually believe one of those in your heart. That is not from God. I'm the successful one. I'm the unsuccessful one. I'll read what the word of God says about you. Do not let Babylon label you. Let's keep going. But Daniel was determined. Next verse. But Daniel was determined. Let's read the rest of it real quick. But Daniel was determined not to defy himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. I love, I, love, I love that uh, the next tool that Daniel gives us in living in Babylon is that you need to be determined and you have to decide. Now, I, I love this. and say, But Daniel was really smart. But Daniel was in a perfect season of life to live for God. Just lined up, you know, career, people, marriage. It's like, you know, now, now's the time for me to surf. You know, kind of go to church, but you know, it's just a perfect, you know, just not my season to live for you, God. But when it is, there's never a perfect season. I always just call them someday Christians. Someday I'll do this, someday I do that. Problem is, Monday through Sunday, there's no someday. And then someday your life's over. Come on now. Today, I have determined I'm going to live for my God. He doesn't say, uh, but Daniel had built his career and now had time to live for God. But Daniel said, well, now my kids are a little bit older, I can do it again. He doesn't say that. He just says, but Daniel was determined. I think one of the biggest problems with Christianity today is that there is nothing sacred in Christians' lives anymore. There's no sacred days. There's no sacred things that they guard. There's no sacred words. It's just everything is so flippant. Everything is everywhere. There has to be a moment in your life say, you know what, today, I determined this, this day that I'm going to live for God first. You know, Sunday's not just a day. I'm going to go to church on Sundays. I'm going to worship God on Sundays. I'm going to invite people to church on Sundays. Do you know one of the biggest problems with Israel was they didn't have a sacred day? It was one of the biggest complaints when they got put in exile. And reality is this, here's how it happens. First starts with an idol and then it's followed by disobedience. So the idol of success created the disobedience of Sabbath. And so when you have the wrong idol, you have the wrong lifestyle. And the reality is, is that you have to determine who your God is and then how you're gonna live for him. Now let's just real quick, why didn't, it, a lot of people read this like, so uh, we're supposed to be vegetarians. That's not what Daniel was doing here. The reality is, is that the king's table, a lot of the food was sacrificed to idols and it was dedicated to idols. And so Daniel didn't even want to risk it. He wanted to eat things that were never, ever dedicated or associated with other gods. He goes, I'm set apart. I don't want people thinking I'm associated with another god. I don't want people to associate that I'm living a different way. I want people to know that I'm living for one god. Some of you, do people know that you're living for one god? You got to be determined. Let's keep going. I think this next one is so fascinating to I me. Mean, another tool he gives us is somebody this. Is, um, he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat the unacceptable foods. He asked. So it, when Jesus just, uh, came on the scene, um, I preached this about a year ago, there's different people who thought that this would change the world. So you had the Essenes, the Stoics, and the Zealots. Not gonna go deep into this, but I just need to unpack this real quick. So the Essenes thought just like live for pleasure and that's the best purpose of life. So that was one of them. Then you had the Stoics. They thought academics would change the world. Being strong, Stoic, processing life in a way that would change the world. Then you had the Zealots. Zealots thought politics would change the world. So their thought was get the right political leader and resist Rome. You know the Zealots didn't change the world. These Christians that came and served and honored Rome changed the world. And so look at this little nuance that Daniel does. I don't wanna eat that food. I'm just gonna resist them. I'm going to say, in your face, we're going, to, we're going to take that food and we're going to throw it on the ground in front of him. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to march down and say, you see this food, Nebuchadnezzar? We're going to chuck it at his face. <laughs> Who's with me? Somebody does. Yeah. He comes with an honoring posture to his direct report, a man who was probably in charge of him being castrated, by the way, saying this, would it be okay if we actually just ate vegetables? It's, it's important to us for our faith. And the direct report so this could be my life online. I don't know if you can do this. He goes, just give me 10 days. Let me have 10 days. I won't look weak, I promise. Like I believe that if we do this for 10 days, I'll show you that, that my God's way is the best way. It's amazing. One of the tools that you need in your tool belt when you live in Babylon is a thing called honor. You need to honor everyone. Where do we think in the Bible we could dishonor our leaders? If you don't like our leaders, pray for them to get saved. How cool would that be? Oh my goodness, what, what if your least favorite leader became saved? Like, I'm talking saved, saved Like, what if, instead of just talking trash about him all the time, what if you prayed for him all the time? There's something about honoring people. Honor is lost in this culture. Because it's not supposed to have it. Honor is a kingdom culture thing, not a Babylon culture thing. So we're going to honor well. Let's keep going. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. I always think it's interesting. People think uh, that uh, the affection and respect is just a spiritual dynamic. It is, but it's also a practical dynamic. Let's keep going. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered uh, that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, uh, Hananiah, and Michelle, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days. Some of you just need to put the world to test. Just live God's way, just for a season, and just see how good you're doing. Instead of living just the normal status quo and whatever culture tells you to do and schedule, like what if you're like, I'm going to change my schedule the way God would actually have me live it. It's something I I literally did this this past season. I said, God, you you, you said first is really important to you. Well, you're going to get my first day every morning. You're going to get my first day of my work week. You're going to get the first uh, Wednesday of my uh, of the month for the church. You're going to get the first. It's important to you, God. I'm going to try your way. Ooh, it's changing me. Let's keep going. And the 10 days, see how uh, we look compared to the other young men uh, who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The 10 agreed Daniel's suggestion and test them for 10 days. Of course, what happens if you know this, they looked great. They were fantastic. Blah, blah, blah. Let's keep going. Uh, God gave these young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings and visions and dreams. I simply wrote this down. God's going to give you what you need to succeed in this season. Wow. He's just going to give you what you need. He gave Daniel the, the, the right spiritual gift. Man, I love that what it says in the Bible that God gives us, there's like 20 something gifts that the Holy Spirit distributes throughout the church joy, peace, wisdom, um, generosity, all these things. He gives these gifts not so you could uh, hog them, but that you could actually use them for His glory. Yeah. You got some things in your tool belt you don't even know you maybe have. Oh, may you discover that this season. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to finish with this. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any other magician and enchanter in his entire kingdom. I just love that God did not call us to be the uh, tail but the head. He called us to lead culture, not to follow culture. We, we, I really believe this, that we can transform culture in the Bay Area. I believe that we can take arrogance and start living humility and make this a humble region. I really believe that. I believe that honor can become a thing again. I believe that, that God's kingdom can be established in the Bay Area. I believe that. Last verse is just a simple verse, but I want to share this thought with you. Daniel remained in royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus without grace. Pause, excuse me, that's my, my, my note. Verse <laughs> 21, uh, Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of King Cyrus. You read that and you're like, okay, what does that mean? King Cyrus was the last king. Nebuchadnezzar was the first king. And for 70 years, you know what Daniel did? He served, he served. And I think the thing that we were trying to figure out is what do you do when life doesn't work out the way you plan it? What are we supposed to do as a church in this season? When I went to my meeting on Thursday and I got an email because you know, the, we're having a lot of people come to service. I was like, man, like, what ha- my, if I wouldn't have been in the book of Daniel, I'll just be honest, I was gonna walk in and I was gonna be like, I saw, I don't know, should I say this? Yeah, I'm gonna say it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say it. Um, so so uh, the government had to pay back a church in Southern California, $800,000 because they overreached to control the church. There is a separation where the government's not supposed to get in the church's way to, that's what's so great about America. But the, the reality is that the more and more we're in a Babylon culture, the more and more the government's starting to control church and trying to pass laws that you can't do this and do this and they'll, they'll wrap it in something else, but they're trying to create obstacles that it's harder for us to do church. And I get an email basically like, hey, I, I know that you, we have an exemption. I know that we lost every lawsuit. Uh, that we've put on the church. That's why I think the exemption came out so there wouldn't be another lawsuit against our county. They made it really vague, so it's kind of hard to describe and not describe. And so I remember reading this, I was like, oh, I'm going to go in that meeting and I'm going to say, you can't stop us. You know, I was, I was ready, you know. I was like, I was like, I was like, I just want to have church. Like, I don't want to, I don't want, what you bring attention to, it just brings sideways energy. And, and so I was just like, I just, oh, I, just, I just felt it. I thought we we're going to have, you know, capacity limits, but no one else has capacity limits. And then I started reading Daniel and I was praying, I was like, Lord, I'm going to go ask how I can serve the city. I'm gonna go tell my direct report, he's a great guy. Oh, the, the guy who we report to, Jim, he's, a, he's the best. He's, he's just a kind human being. And I said, Lord, I, I wanna make the city better and brighter and I'm gonna come with a posture to serve the city and I'm gonna ask him what he thinks is best. And so we walked out of the room and I said, Jim, if you think this is best and this is how it keeps us in this room and it brings favor with the city and lets the city know that we love them, we're trying to serve them, you got it. And I believe that when we take those approaches to people who don't know the Lord, I just like to think that the ball moved forward a little bit more that day. And it may not look like there's revival and huge transformation happening in the city, but if the whole church was taking that posture to every person throughout the week, ooh, where could the church be in a year? Where could the Bay Area be in a year? Oh, I want that for our region. I want that for you. Will you bow your heads with me? I don't know if it's your first time or second time in church. I don't know if you've ever came to church and came on a doozy. Um, I don't know if you're mad right now because I took uh, a biblical stance about what God really thinks about politics. I'll, and I'll be honest, politics are an idol in our region. So, so when you go against somebody's idol, and let's be honest, all of us Christians, uh, I remember John Calvin saying this way, that our heart is an idol maker. Just likes to produce them like a, like a machine. And, and so politics have somewhat become an idol. So I want to just pray for the people in the room that you're a little frustrated right now because uh, a button got pushed. God, we come before you as a church and we declare that politics will not be an idol in this house. That we have one God and one God alone that sits on the throne and the good news is alive and well today. And Lord, we declare that as we know that truth, we're going to live differently. We're going to live confidently knowing that in the midst of chaos, you're still working. Second thing I want to pray is I want to pray for people who have never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to heaven, no to hell. You've never said yes to salvation. The Bible shows that when Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross, he literally took all of the blame, all of the shame, all of the payment, so you could say yes to all to heaven. This, we call this salvation. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved. If that's you with every head bowed and eye closed, you want to say yes to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand catch my say, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Go ahead and raise it up how I want to see you. It's a great decision. God bless you.